Everybody, what's going off? It's the Going Off Podcast, the podcast for the people. (laughs) 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 Oh, have we already lost anybody? Yeah. With that fucking obscure ass (laughs) intro? Song from like 2007 and shit. (laughs) Sure. Oh my God. So I had to tell you about what I heard. Uh, yesterday, right? What is the word, Hummingbird? Oh my god. So, I, I'm looking up the song Someday at Christmas, right? By uh, Stevie Wonder. And Oh, okay. Excuse me. Uh, and so I'm like, oh my god, I remember this song. And like, Because I was, I was thinking about the... Uh, of course, if you follow me on Twitter, I've already talked about this. But uh, for those that don't, uh, you need to follow me on Twitter. You know, it's the rap critic, you know. At, at it's the rap critic, you know what I mean? Uh, but, <laughs> but so I'm like, I, I was just thinking like, cause I'd heard it on the radio and then when I got home I decided to like text about it and I was like, you know, um, like I hear happy Christmas, the, the, the war is over song by John Lennon. Right. And I was thinking like, you know, someday at Christmas by Stevie Wonder is like such a, like much better anti-war Christmas song, but I never hear that one on the radio. I always Dude, hear- I've, I've never heard that song. Oh, you've never heard Someday at Christmas? No. I'm oh. I'm very familiar with Happy Christmas War is Over, obviously, because it gets played like crazy. Yeah. Oh, you need to listen to this. Check it out. It's it so gets beautiful. As play- it gets played as much as uh, that other uh, awful uh, Paul McCartney Christmas song. Oh, the simply having wonderful Christmas. Dude, that song is so fucking shitty. Like, it's, it's literally... It's so bad, dude. It's literally Christmas bells and a synth. Like, there's absolutely nothing else. Like, y- Christmas songs are usually badly mixed and all that stuff, but, like, they didn't even try. <laughs> and it's like, especially you'd expect more from a seasoned, accomplished musician... <laughs> And then it's just a song about these kids that have been practicing caroling all year. And what's awful, the worst part, is part of the song, the synth kind of goes crazy a little bit. (laughs) It it sounds like someone just like like a cat is walking across a keyboard. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck, man? All right, uh, let me sample this. Someday at Christmas, uh, Stevie Wonder. Gotta sit through an ad. Hold on. There's like literally nothing that happens in this fucking song. And in, in the in the Paul McCartney one? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's shit. Like it has it, it could be the worst Christmas song there is. <laughs> it's so soulless. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, I'm looking up the lyrics for um what what the hell is the name of it? It's called Happy Christmas, but they actually say Merry Christmas in the song. I don't really get how that works. Well, I know "Happy Christmas" is like the is like the British expression. Yeah, but he says "Merry Christmas" in the song. I, I don't I don't really know how that works. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> so I'm listening to the, the song right, and um, I, I like I was like I haven't really like looked at the lyrics before, and I'm listening to it. And he's like, "So this is Christmas," and just like that's like the first line. And it's just like, that's just such a weird way to, like, the way he says it is just like, so this is Christmas. Like, he's like, he's just not impressed by Christmas. 
Well, I, I guess he isn't because it's like, uh, uh, so this is Christmas, and, and what what have we done? And no, and what have you done? Like, what have you done? Oh, like, because like, yeah, because he's done his part <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because we all know how selfless. Uh, and how much of a humanitarian John Lennon was. Uh, John Lennon he was... He did his part. What have you done? Yeah, he's been living like a hermit his whole life. Not in that huge fucking mansion with the giant white piano and shit. No, he's, he's living on like, you know, he's... Every time he gets that big-ass, fat-ass fucking Beatles check, he's giving it all to the fucking Salvation Army, man. So, so oh, what have you, you know done? it. So what have you done? It's like, what, what the fuck? What have you done? So, it, but, like, I, it's so funny because, like, this is supposed to be, like, a legendary artist. And these lyrics are so, like, simple and whack. Like, so this is Christmas. Like, it, it doesn't understand how to set up a tone at all. Like, first of all, <laughs> it sounds like he's just, like, he's not impressed. And then, and what have you done? Like, that sounds like it could either, like, you've done something catastrophic. Like, maybe he's talking to the world. Like, maybe. Yeah. But, like, you know, what have you done? But it doesn't really, like, expand on it like that. You know what I mean? Like, look what the world has done to make the world a worse place. No, it's just, like, it sounds like he's just talking to an individual person. So, like, are you trying to shame an individual person for not doing enough? Because it's, like, it, but, like I said, it doesn't really expand on that. It, and no. then it does this sort of sarcastic, well, I hope you had fun. Like, it's, like, dude, fuck <laughs> you. Like... <laughs> Like seriously, you're an asshole. And then it's like, you know, to your near and dear ones. But but then it kind of backs off again, like to the generic sort of the old and the young, and you know, a very merry Christmas. It's like he was trying to write a protest song, but halfway through, like a lawyer got in his ear and be like, nah, that's not gonna sell. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that really does switch tone up. It was like he was being a sarcastic prick there for a second. But th then all of a sudden, Yoko kicks in, and she's like, Merry Christmas! Yeah. Like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. Yeah, exactly. And then, no. let's hope it's a good one without any fear. It's like, what? Is that a... Are you directly concerned about that? Because you're not really... It's like the tonal shift, is, it, the tone is not really, like, setting in strong enough, you know? Um, <laughs> we hope it's a good one without any fear, but not from anything in specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not from fearing anything in particular. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, even the second verse is just, like, saying contrast. It's just, this is, and so this is Christmas for the weak and the strong, for the rich and the poor, for the black and the white, for the yellow. It's like, yeah, so what? What? What are you talking about? Are you trying to get to something? Like, where are you going with this? You know? And then just right at the end, let's stop all the fight. Like, it's so limp, you know? And the thing is, it's like, the ending is so beautiful sounding with all the kids that come in. It's like, war mm. is over if you want it. It's just like, it's so, like, beautiful and nice sounding. It's just like the first two minutes of this did not earn this beautiful part right here. Like, you know? <laughs> See, Lennon, at, up to this point, uh, the only thing he was doing to protest the war what was staying in a fucking bed for a while. That was so. Oh my! So was. Please tell me there was more to that. That he was just like. Uh, no. <laughs> it was uh, him and Yoko uh, stayed in a bed uh, for a really long time, and it got press, and they said that it was it was basically like a sit-in uh, for peace. A sit-in uh, in your fucking it. house. <laughs> yeah, in your big fuck house. With 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 press and I'm sure your your famous friends coming by every so often like 
I don't know. Yoko was one of those, like... She was an artist who dealt with very... In, like, minimalism and, like, symbolism. So I'm sure it was probably more her idea. But John probably made it to seem, like, much more than it was. That's possible. Like, oh, no, no. We're we're fucking in bed for peace, man. Like, what have you done? (laughs) No, because it's like... And you know they had to have told somebody. It's not like they were just sitting in their bed and then someone just walked by their house and be like, hey... Have they not gotten out of their bed yet? <laughs> it's like it's like I uh, Paul. Well, I know him and Paul were in on good speaking terms. So let me say uh, him and him and Ringo. Ringo calls him up and he's like, "Hey, John, uh, you want to go down to the park or grab a bite to eat or something?" And he's like, "Oh no, Ringo, we're gonna be in bed for a while." And he's like, "How long's a while?" And he's like, "I don't know, as long as it takes." As long as what takes. Uh, no, he's just talking in vague. He's like concerned. <laughs> yeah, so some interviewer is like interviewing Ringo. And he's like, hey, so have you and uh, John got together in a while? And he's like, uh, no. I, uh, he, last I spoke to him, he said he was in bed. But that was like a week ago. So we should probably check up on him. <laughs> and the interviewer's like, oh, okay. Uh, you mind if we cut this interview short? Because I didn't really care what you had to say anyway, Ringo. Okay, bye. <laughs> Oh, whoa, excuse me. All right, so I looked this up. So, knowing their March 20th, 1969 marriage would be a huge precedent, John and Yoko decided to use the publicity to promote world peace. They mm. spent their honeymoon in the presidential suite at the Amsterdam Hilton Hotel. Oh, what sacrifices <laughs> they've made. <laughs> they were roughing it, dude. <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, inviting the world's president to the hotel every day between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., what the fuck is that supposed to do? D- so do something, inv- give money! What the fuck is this? <sighs> See, Lenin, the, the more you find out about him, uh, the more you find out that he didn't really stand for much of anything. <laughs> he was kind of just for, in it for attention and money. <laughs> He's kind of an asshole. Like, I thought it would be, like, at their house that this is happening. No, this is at their vacation suite. Like, wow. I forgot about that part, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If there's anything yeah. that makes you look like any more of, like, a self-righteous douchebag, or you want other people to do things while you fucking chill on your fucking seventh floor of your Amsterdam Hilton Hotel. Are you fucking serious right now? See, right now, or at least recently, uh, they released a documentary, I want to say directed by Ron Howard. I'll have to look that up and make sure, but um, it's a documentary about the Beatles' years as a touring uh, group from the early 60s to 1966 and like the hell it kind of was because they were like massive sex symbols and they couldn't like get from the car to the venue without being chased down the street like like all the video clips you see of like people chasing the Beatles down the street trying to grab them or whatever that's like real life so yeah, it's like yeah. shit they actually had to deal with what I want to see is the documentary about like after the breakup and just how much of an insu- insufferable asshole Lennon became to, like, <laughs> everyone. Because th- there's plenty of footage. Like, he himself put out a documentary in um, uh, only a few years before, he'd, uh, before he was murdered. Um, that basically, like, it was about recording an album in his house. Mm-hmm. And, like, he, even, in, even in that video, a self-produced documentary... 
you see him kind of being an asshole to people like yelling to producers because they're because they're like not doing something right and and during one part he's writing a song or recording a song it's like a diss track it's actually one of the early uh, rock and roll diss tracks (laughs) oh i gotta know this it's called uh, How Do You Sleep, and it was a diss track to uh, Paul McCartney. Oh, oh, are you asking someone how do they sleep? <laughs> I, I know how I sleep, in my seventh floor Amsterdam hotel. <laughs> and in the movie, uh, he doesn't say this in the actual recorded version, but he goes, uh, How do you sleep, you cunt? Oh, shit! <laughs> it, it's really, uh, it was really blistering. Honestly, like, like I know the, um, in the recorded version, he goes, uh, all, all you had was yesterday, and since oh, then, <laughs> it's like, he really goes, he lays into him hard, but, like, if Paul could have, he probably could have, he could have came back at him with, like, a Joe Budden fucking, <laughs> he could have been chasing John Lennon's car with a rock in his hand, banging on the windows. <laughs> Okay, so, I, I'm sorry, I know we were supposed to be talking about Christmas songs, but I, I, this is kind of fascinating oh, yeah. now. So, like, um, so I, I'm reading up more about this, right? This is interesting. It says, after their nonconformist artistic inspre- uh, expression, such as the nude cover of the Two Virgins album, the press mm. were expecting them to be having sex. <laughs> I just love how they're just like, oh, nice, we're gonna, we're gonna get some hardcore footage of uh, this couple. <laughs> but instead... We're gonna get footage of this non-conventionally attractive couple. Like, if you look at the album of Two Virgins, what what press is like, ooh yeah, let's get down there and catch lanky-ass John Lennon getting it on. Dude, ha- have you not read the, looked at the, that Karma Sutra book or whatever that was big in like the 60s and the 70s? Oh like, no. that was sexy back then. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, hmm. but um... So, uh, so, uh, and like, you know, porn movies from back then, like every, everyone looked ugly back then. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, no, no. So there's like, but instead the couple were just sitting in bed wearing pajamas in John's words, like angels. Like, wh- oh, wait, he ew. said that, he said that about himself. We're like angels. Like, what type of pretentious bullshit? <laughs> He's sitting there. Oh, you know, we're just sitting in bed, uh, like angels. Did you get that? Like angels. <laughs> you can quote me on that. I'm on the record. <laughs> Fuck then, you. Wait, wait, wait. Then during April 1969, John and Yoko sent acorns to the heads of states in various countries around the world in hopes that they would plant them as symbols of peace. What the fuck is this? This is Ugh. empty. This is meaningless. <laughs> You're one of the richest musicians in the world. Start a fucking charity. Give money. <laughs> We're just going to send them sticky, sap-covered acorns, hoping they fucking do something with it. I don't know. L- let me know. Maybe there's something I'm not seeing in here about how they actually, like, actually did stuff to help people. But as far as I'm seeing with this, it's just like, this is... Useless, like uh, the, the, the people at war in countries, they can't do anything with the fucking acorns. <laughs> and by uh, the way, but before the comment section tears me apart, I will admit that I just confused an acorn with a pine cone. But <laughs> you know, who's to say that acorns can't be sticky and covered in sap too? Dude, you know, 
I honestly take back what I said about uh, what's his name in the eighties doing the uh, "Do They Know It's Christmas" song. At least they did fucking something. There was like actually, oh, yeah. there was money exchanging hands. Sure, a lot of it might have been mismanaged, but at mm. least they were actively doing something. What the fuck is this? Yeah, <laughs> all uh, Bob Gildoff, of people. Yeah. Yeah, like what the? It's like maybe it's just like rock stars are just evolving into figuring out how to like actually help. <laughs> but uh, but but check this out. Check this out. Their second bed in was planned to take place in New York, but John was not allowed into the U.S. because of his sixty-eight uh, cannabis conviction. Oh, that's but right. Here's the funny part. Instead, they intended to hold the event in the Bahamas at the Sheraton Oceanus Hotel, flying there on May twenty-fourth, nineteen sixty-nine. But after spending one night in the heat, they decided to move to Montreal. They couldn't even suffer uh, uh, oh, slightly hot temperatures for one fucking night for their uh, supposed protest, their selfless protest. Are you fucking serious right now? They couldn't take one night in the heat. And, and the worst part of that is there were tons of people who still looked up to them like, <laughs> oh my God, they really are doing our work. They really are spreading our message. Like, people seriously looked at them like they were, like, re- like prophets or, like, angels. <laughs> Only if they knew, man. Jesus. But I just love, I, I, like, I just love, like, I just wish I was there for them to be like, you know, it's like, you know what we're really going to do to show that we're, you know what we're really going to do, Yoko, to show that we're uh, <laughs> selfless uh, people. We're going to go to this expensive-ass fucking hotel in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> to show them just how self selfless we are, and then they get there, and it's like the first two minutes they're, they're sitting in the hotel, and they're just like, you know, this is kind of hot. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> Fuck all this. Yeah, in their infinite selflessness. <laughs> I like how, by the way, it's the press was invited, but like, heaven forbid, John sur- uh, surround himself with like other protesters. That would have been it's a like, good idea. No. I, I can't be that? bothered. If if they aren't my famous millionaire friends, I can't be bothered to be seen with them. <laughs> Jesus, man. Did, did they have an album that came out around this time? This might have just been album promotion. Well, I know they had uh, Two Virgins, which was the first one. Then they had another album called Breakfast with Lions, which, by the way, both of which aren't musical albums, but are instead just um, avant-garde recordings of the uh, sounds in their house. What the fuck? So if you want to hear them just having a conversation over breakfast, uh, that's that's what you want. That's what you want to buy breakfast with lions for. They didn't start record. They didn't start releasing like actual music albums until I want to say seventy or seventy one. What the fuck is this? That was Yoko, man. Yoko, what? the minimalist artist, and Yoko and John absolutely loving it and just being on board with it and releasing two albums of it. What the is going on what see is this you shit? thought you hated the beatles you had no idea how much you could potentially hate the beatles <laughs> i you... still tolerate them even though i know how fucking pretentious they were the, the, this isn't fair <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm not saying people consider those albums to be legendary nobody fucking talks about them yeah but somebody just kind them. of oh yeah of course they did the, the only people who are still buying copies of uh, Two Virgins are album collectors who want a copy of, like, of them in the nude uh, before they started selling it with the, um, the paper cover 
that just had a circle cut out for their faces. <laughs> what the hell? It's a hot item, dude. You need that. And the unmarked no- copies of uh, the White Album. Yo, she got some nice titties, though. But <laughs> you, listening, you listening, Yoko? I know you are. <laughs> oh, okay, fuck that. If you're going to be naked on the, on the fucking album... I- this is art. I'm allowed to criticize it. Sure, my criticism is uh, dog shit, but still. <laughs> I was just going to say, this is part two of the trying to hook you up with uh, Nicki Minaj on the podcast. No, I am not trying to hook up with Yoko Ono. No, I'm just saying, you know. I don't know, think she's loaded. Cause she, I'm, I'm, shit, if she wants to fucking, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say no. I mean, <laughs> and she's like, it's so like, I heard you were attracted to my breasts. <laughs> Yeah, I, and I doubt, that was about it. I doubt that shit's gonna happen. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, what the fuck do you want? Like, putting your naked bodies on an album cover. I'm pretty sure there were girls at the time going like, "Oh fuck yeah! Finally, I get to see uh, fucking John Lennon naked." Hell's yeah! You know what I mean? Is, is Yoko Ono also gonna break up this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Do I have that to look dude, forward to? Am, am I lying, though? How many girls out there were, like, in the 1959 uh, oh, sure. or the 60s are like, I would do anything to see this man naked. And then they see this fucking album cover, and they're like, yes! <laughs> like, I win! <laughs> and they fucking have a copy of it, like, dude, on they, display they in the their poster? house. Dude, they probably got that poster hanging up in their fucking house, no doubt. Like, somewhere in the back, you know, because they got grandkids now, but... <laughs> <laughs> I just picture that they have a copy of Two Virgins out, like, next to the record player, and, like, a friend comes over and asks, like, oh, yeah, it was a lot different than I was expecting. Oh, uh, what did you think of it? And she's like, uh, I haven't taken the album out. <laughs> I haven't listened to it. <laughs> and I kind of forgot there even was vinyl in there for a second. <laughs> okay, it says... Uh, the album was abhorred by both the music critics and the public alike. Actress Sissy Spacek... Using this using the pseudonym Rainbow? What what the fuck? Recorded the song okay. John, you went too far this time in response to the album's cover. Wow. <laughs> John, you went too far. What is that it how? <laughs> I just love that this happened. Like, there was straight up like fucking beef going on where they're just like, dude, c- come the fuck on. And how how you gonna be making diss records of people when you putting out bullshit yourself? Like, what the fuck is this? What was the first Christmas song you heard this year? The first, uh, okay. So I I'm doing this thing where I uh I every year I like mark it down whenever I the first time I hear a Christmas song, like involuntarily, like when mm-hmm. you just walking along, going about your life, and then you just have no choice and it just comes on, right? Yeah. Uh, the I think it was like November. Like, it couldn't have been the 20th yet. It's like November, like, 18th. And it was like, um, uh, it was like, a, a, like one of the, the generic ones, though. Like, I think Walking in a Winter Wonderland or something like that. Oh. Yeah. Classy. Flipping through the radio, and I was just like, ah, oh, they got me. <laughs> what was yours? Uh, my first one was, uh, the Chipmunks song <laughs> that, um, <laughs> Hula <laughs> And and the the second one wasn't much better. It was uh I ain't getting nothing for Christmas by Smash Mouth and Rosie O'Donnell. I have never heard of this. Yeah, I heard it work. That was good. I, I, I was like my ears were just like 
Is that how I get known for Christmas by Smash Mouth and Rosie O'Donnell? Like, Jesus Christ. Is that is that what it's come down to? <laughs> I, I know that song is like from like the year 2000 or whatever, but it's like, is that seriously? I saw someone on Twitter had shared a remix of a My Chemical Romance song and uh, Mariah Carey's uh, All I Want for Christmas is You. So I was wondering, is All I Want for Christmas is You the most recent, like, Christmas staple? Like, that has become a classic. Uh, Like, is there one since then? Because I know it isn't. I ain't getting nothing for Christmas by Smash Mouth and Rosie O'Donnell. They ain't coming close. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, we need to get back to the Christmas stuff, right? Sure. So, uh, <laughs> back to this uh, fucking shitty-ass Happy Christmas War is Over d- bullshit. <laughs> oh, and in comparison to the Stevie Wonder song, right? So, like, this song is actually, like, talking about some shit. Like, someday at Christmas... Like, we'll actually, everyone will know what it means to have peace on earth, you know? Like, the things, the platitudes that we put forth around Christmas. One day, everyone will know that and we'll actually be able to enjoy it. It's like, that's a, that's a wonderful, beautiful sentiment. Makes me fucking cry every time I hear it, man. Like, when I get to that fucking part, like, uh, maybe not a time for you and me, but someday at Christmas time, it's just like, man... It's just like we're, it's like we're, like he's telling us. It's just like it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be soon, <laughs> you know. But just you, we we can only carry on with the hope that it'll be someday. That that the fact that it will eventually come, that we'll eventually learn, you know. It's just the sweetest, saddest fucking thing, especially with the the falling, uh, you know, the falling baseline and all that shit. It's just beautiful. So you can imagine my surprise. <laughs> When I decided to look it up, I, I apparently typed it in wrong. I typed in one day at Christmas and I, I, I got, uh, you know, I'm looking it up on YouTube. And I, the first thing I hear is uh, P. Diddy saying, yeah, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. And oh boy, nothing kills my spirit, I found out, quicker than fucking P. Diddy saying, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. When I'm expecting a goddamn Stevie Wonder song. Who's B5? I, I don't know. I can only imagine it's one of the like myriad groups like that P Diddy signed in the early two thousands. Oh, basically it's tax write offs. I'm pretty sure like Merry it, Christmas from Danity Kane to you. <laughs> like ninety nine percent of those people do not have careers. Probably oh like the God. next year actually. <laughs> yeah, but so uh, so this was his Jackson Five ripoff. Yeah, even the fucking name B Five, like come the fuck off. B Five, yeah. <laughs> let me let me find out. There's like five people in the groups, and that kid obviously sounded like the Michael Jackson. The, you know. Let me. So see. is this basically, for the most part, the same words? Like they didn't really change it up much. But listen to the beginning. He says, "Someday at Christmas, men will be boys playing with." Uh, lives like kids play with toys. Oh. How do you fuck that up? It's someday at Christmas, men won't be boys playing with bombs like kids play with toys. You literally just fucked up the the whole message of the song. Someday at Christmas, (laughs) men will be boys playing with life like kids play with toys. Like, did that not strike you and be like, oh, wait a minute. That that can't be right. <laughs> yeah, it's like wait a sec. Why would they even change that? 
No, you know what it was? This is, um, you know, people probably didn't know about Google. Uh, this is probably like 1999 or something like that. And and it's on a, it's probably on a Christmas album. So, you know, they recorded this shit probably over a weekend. <laughs> so they were just like, you remember how that song goes, right? You just sing it. It's like, wait, is it men won't be... Bl- ah, fuck it. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Who's, who's listening? We're just fucking trying to make a new modern Christmas classic. But It didn't work. But it's like, that's... How do you not hear that and go like, wait, are you sure that's not the lyric? Because that kind of sounds like it's the fucking complete opposite of the goddamn message. Someday at Christmas, men will be horrible and they'll play with people's lives like kids play with toys. That doesn't sound off to you. You dumbass. (laughs) Has P. Diddy ever been competent? Like, I know as a a, uh, producer, sure, that's different. But... Like actually, like doing the heavy lifting, has he ever really well, it, like impressed you? It's always yeah, it's always been a kind of understood that he's like, he's like the DJ Khaled of back then. Like he brings people together to do stuff, but he's not mm. really like the creative muscle behind it. He's missing catchphrases. Yeah, well, no, he I don't take that, take that, take that. You know. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. He just always sounded like he was bored, so you probably missed him. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Oh, we gotta make that a staple. <laughs> <laughs> ho ho ho, Merry Christmas or, or some shit. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I, I care so little, I'm gonna get the fucking words wrong. <laughs> the the opening lines, I'm gonna get them wrong. Like the first thirty seconds of this song just completely fucked up everything. Like <sighs> nothing that comes after this will be good. Like you you can't enjoy it now because first of all you got fucking uh, Mister um. Mr. Goddamn Caffeine Shot over here. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Can I collect my Uh, check now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Then you got BB Mac or whatever his name is. Maroon 5. B5. B52. B-Real. Whatever the fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Lil B. I don't know. I'm not even shitting on the kid because, you know, he's just like, he's just happy to be there. But someone... Sure, he's working with fucking P. Diddy. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. Especially if you're like... That's got to be a thrill. Yeah. He just probably heard fucking mace and he's just like i like mace yay i get to be on the label now you know <laughs> but holy shit that that beat is totally inappropriate too. yeah the boom 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 sounds like fucking tipsy you remember that song that now everybody in the club getting tipsy <laughs> <sighs> yeah it's like is that <laughs> everybody in the club being boys playing with lives <laughs> what that literally sounds Dude, someone check to see if that's not like the fucking tipsy beat. <laughs> it sounds like it. it sounds generic as shit. <laughs> yeah, two step, is, two step with Jesus, two step with Jesus. <laughs> In one half hour, introduced me to a beautiful Christmas song that I've never heard before by an immensely talented artist. And that. (laughs) Within a half hour time. That's not fair. (laughs) I didn't even have time to get over how good the first one was before it all came crashing down around me. (laughs) Just completely destroyed it before you. Is that what this needed? Is that what this needed? And it's like, like, the kid isn't like, men will be... It's like... 
He's still singing it like as sweet and quiet. Like yeah. I imagine if there was a music video, he'd be doing it and like, like his eyes would be like flinching because of how loud the ba- the bass is. Like ah, ah. like he's just afraid. No, he originally sang it, and then and P Diddy was just like. Nah, like he originally it was just like supposed to be just with the string instruments, you know, and he was just like, nah, I don't like this. This don't, this don't sound like it's going to bump in the club. It's just like, uh, I mean, P. Diddy, I don't think I don't think this I don't think one day at Christmas needs to bump in the club. Nah, nah, it needs to bump in the club. <laughs> Girls need to be dancing to this five year old singing this song. I, maybe there's one other. Maybe the fucking drummer boy song by Justin, uh, Justin Bieber. Ooh, what about that one? Oh. Dude, I completely forgot, and I even reviewed the motherfucker, that Bieber did an entire Christmas album, like, four years ago. Yeah, the... the uh-huh. Like, are you Dude. really trying to put soul into fucking Little Drummer Boy? I forgot there for a second that he recorded a cover of uh, All I Want for Christmas is You, and Mariah Carey, like, present day was like featured on it yeah and didn't sound nearly as uh as good as she did in what 94 whenever yeah, the fuck yeah. the original came out like they, they should have just sampled it like, nah, <laughs> let's bring her in the living legend mariah carey because we, we know that's who you really want to hear anyway <laughs> we know that justin bieber singing this is just a formality you wanted to hear Mariah Carey belting it out. And boy, like, she does not deliver. This is not on par. I think Usher's on there. What? Because <laughs> he has to be. You know, because Usher discovered Justin in the first place. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Returning the favor, I yeah, guess. How, how, how did we let him have a career and live that down? Like, we give so much shit to Justin Bieber. It's like, you know, it's not his fault he was discovered. You know it was Usher, right? Like... Why are, why do people not give him more shit? Yeah. Like, yeah, he kind of got away from that completely <laughs> unscathed. Yeah. I don't remember I don't remember anyone giving him shit around that time. Are you any more excited for the Hamilton mixtape? Dude, I want to see that shit. Is it out yet? I think it comes out soon. I'm not sure when. I, I think it comes out in December. Dude. I saw some of the tracks on there. They looked interesting. Other ones, I'm like, hmm. I don't, I'm not really stoked for yeah. Jimmy Fallon to be on there, but. Yeah, and fucking Fetty Wops on it and shit. What? <laughs> I didn't realize I, that. I think he's on there somewhere. What is he doing? Oh, it's out right now. Oh, it comes out December 2nd. Okay. No, it's out right now. Oh, it's not? Where? Yeah, the Hamilton mixtape includes tracks from the forthcoming. Oh, the. What the hell? Is oh, this is a playlist. Oh, oh, okay. I guess this just, like, has some of the, uh... Yeah, some of them have already been released. Mm. Yeah, we got Usher, Nas, Busta Rhymes, The Roots, um... Seeing Watsky. Is that the same Watsky? I think so. And then you got hmm. Ja Rule, which is... I... <laughs> was that what the world was waiting for? Ja Rule and Ashanti. The, the hell's going on? Well, you know they're on tour again. Uh, Ashanti and Ja Rule. Oh. Yeah, man. Nostalgia. Oh, it's finally Who that point. Who hasn't been waiting for that? Are we at that point now where, where they, they're cashing in those nostalgia bucks? Hmm. 
Hmm. Maybe. I, I know R. Kelly was just recently on tour, so who knows? This is a lot of these are a lot of songs that are already readily available. This seems like a mixtape right here. There's uh The Helpless, Wrote My Way Out, Wait For It. This is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is seven songs. That could be a mixtape by itself. Like what the fuck? What else yeah, are they releasing? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at a total of 16, uh, 16 tracks. Oh, okay. Well, you got... It's so weird, though, because they got, like, Miguel and Sia and... Queen Latifah. Yeah, Kelly Clarkson. Like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Regina Spector and Ben Folds on a track. Oh, that's going to be good. I mean, I, I okay. just don't associate them with, like, mixtapes. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's starting <laughs> to lose meaning. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck do mixtapes even mean anymore? Like, I understand if you're trying to keep it in line with, uh, you know, Hamilton had hip-hop, so this is a mixtape, yeah. but it's not really a mixtape. It feels like the name mixtape is just said just for the street cred at this point. You might like just call it, like, a tribute album or whatever. Well, no, because like, fucking is. hacks who uh, upload their versions of fucking Ashanti and Prince songs on Spotify, they've already taken that fucking bra- racket. Oh, jeez, is that a thing? Dude, I hate that shit so much. Or you're trying to, like, I, I compile a playlist, and I'm like, oh, cool, it's got this, these Shanti songs. Holy shit, I didn't know there were still Prince songs in it. This is so cool. And then I listen back, I'm like, uh, does Prince have, like, a cold or something? That don't sound like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and then I look at it, like, oh, come on. This is bullshit. The Prince tribute band. Or what's even worse, where it'll be like, uh, I saw this one thing, it was like, Night at the Movies soundtrack. And it has, like, all these, like, uh, songs from like big movies from the 70s and 80s. I'm like, holy shit, this is so cool. So I put them on there and it doesn't have like the artist's name, but I just assume that it's like, well, th- uh, it's a compilation thing. You know what I mean? And I listened oh back to it. I was like, uh, that's not what fucking, you know, flash dance or whatever sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what a feeling. That's not man in motion. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't danger zone. Yeah, I like my corny 80s shit, yo. Don't judge me. I still don't understand why Jimmy Fallon and the Roots need... I mean, the Roots are fine. I don't have a problem with the Roots. But why but Why Jimmy Fallon? What, what is he possibly going to do? Jimmy Fallon is oh, oh, going to be... Oh, Wiz Khalifa. Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? He like, might surprise us, but somehow I doubt it. He never has. <laughs> I don't think Literally I yeah, I don't think never. I've ever cared for Wiz Khalifa. There's never been a point where I was like, oh man, I had it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sleeping on Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> no, don't uh be Jimmy Fallon is do- Khalifa. Oh sorry, what? Don't be a sleeper on the Khalifa. Oh. Is that is, is, is there anyone who like defends Wiz Khalifa? I don't think so. Like, I don't think there are any Wiz Khalifa defenders out there. I like how fast you moved away because you knew a fucking hearty boo was coming your way. What? (laughs) It was brewing, and you sidestepped it last second. (laughs) Now, what Jimmy Fallon is going to do, he's going to be doing The King. Like in those uh, You'll Be Back songs. Oh, You could have got someone way better. Because now you got... Oh, man. Now you got Jimmy Fallon going to be trying to do a fucking British accent. Jimmy oh, Fallon, that's going to be cringy. Jimmy Fallon is not and has never been funny on his own. No. Like, was it... Like, how did that happen? Like, he's never been, like... 
I, I remember all the years that I've seen him. It, it, the only, the most thing that I uh, that I know him for is not being able to fucking hold it together during a goddamn skit. Oh my god, it's the worst. He was on there recently, uh, and it was like uh, it was him and uh, Tina Fey were brought up were brought back to do guest spots on a Weekend Update. Oh yeah, and I remember. Yeah, I saw that the whole fucking way through. He kept slipping shit up and trying to like do callbacks and the audience was buying it but it was just like ugh god this like, is really hard to watch yeah, it's like, you've it's had this funny. long to rehearse yeah it's like it's not funny when you laugh at it <laughs> yeah especially if it wasn't funny the first time no no what makes it funny is when like someone the the best type of someone uh uh bricking or uh oh, what's the word for when someone like you know Corpses. corpsing yeah so the best example of that is when there's something that's fucking hilarious happening and one actor knows that the other person is about to fucking die on stage. Just yeah. about to fucking corpse the fuck out. And he's like doing shit to continue to, uh, you know, to push them even further. That's when it's yeah. funny. Now when it's just like, it's just like a normal joke and the progression is just going and it's just like, dude, fucking seriously? Like, keep a goddamn straight face. <laughs> you know? You could, you could have had Hugh Laurie in there. Doing that, it oh, would be yeah. a perfect fit. Dude, and the thing about it is, it's like, like, how does he get his own TV show? He doesn't have the personality like that, does he? Are there Jim, people Jim, out there who are like, oh man, can't wait, can't get enough of Jimmy Fallon? <laughs> Even back in the fucking day, the 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 most I heard from him, I remember when he did the idiot boyfriend song. Remember that? Ah, uh, ah, uh, God, I had a copy of that CD. I'm an idiot, and I'm your boyfriend. And it was just yeah. like. While I'm like while I'm listening to it, I'm just like, "There's almost a joke happening." Like, I get it, Prince, but why am I supposed to be laughing? Like, what are you saying that's funny? You know? And, and, uh, and man, the- you're overlooking the the skits in between when he was doing impressions of people. Those were where the jokes were. Mm. I, I guess. Does he really have a personality? I don't know. Maybe I need to wa- no. maybe I need to listen to it again. But I just remember there was another song on there called like Snowball Fight. And it was like, we're going to yeah. have a snowball fight. It, it, like, there was literally no joke. It was just, it was just straight laced. We're having a snowball fight. It was like. I'm going to throw snow at you, yeah. It was like, I don't know why this is supposed to be funny. Jimmy Fallon isn't, isn't offensive. He's, he's a safe bet for middle America is what I think. Yeah. Him. I mean, if you're asking about people n- lacking personality for their own show, I hate <laughs> to bring it back up anybody. again. Huh? He won't offend anybody, and that's what it feels like they mostly go for. Oh, yeah. What I was going to say was Seth Meyers. Oh, my God. Oh, God. He is, he is the epitome of cringe on Late Night, dude. I'm, I brought this up when we were reading that article when they were giving uh, James Corden shit, saying that he was, like, the absolute worst on Late Night. It's like, no, 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 no. You have obviously been avoiding or ignoring Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers, because they have no idea what the fuck they're doing there. Like, I remember, who, who's uh, the, the Scottish dude? Who was Oh, uh, shit. The Late Late Show or whatever. The, oh. Ah, uh, Craig Ferguson. Ferguson. Or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Craig Ferguson. He was fucking hilarious. Yeah. And he had a great personality. Of course, that gets, uh, he gets cut out of that. I never then watched Craig Kilborn. How did he do? Uh... I, I never saw that. I remember he was the original dude on The Daily Show, and yeah. that, that show 
jumped up so many notches when Jon Stewart took over. Like, I couldn't... It seemed so boring. I remember when I would, I would watch South Park when I was in, like, uh, elementary school, and commercials for The Daily Show with Craig Kilborn would come on, and it would look like the most dry, just... I'm not going to get any of this. But then again, I guess I was in 10th grade, so I wouldn't have got it anyway. Uh, it's it's kind of yeah. like when I watched Space Ghost, uh, Coast to Coast when I was a kid. I oh. was like, you know, oh, man, I'm going to watch Adult Swim because I'm not supposed to. Ooh, <laughs> it, this is adult humor now. But on my cartoon kids channel, so I don't even have to change the channel. And then you watch it, and it's just like these boring-ass interviews with these dry-ass jokes. And it's just like... Uh, do adults watch boring things? Is that what adult humor is? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because Space Ghost Coast to Coast, while I myself am a really big fan of Space Ghost, I love Space Ghost, it, it's, it's like the least adult of all the adult cartoons. Like, I don't think they ever really even, like, cursed on there. But it's like... The, it wasn't that the, kind of show. The formula for it is so, like, it's purely about the dialogue. Yeah, you know, and 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 what they're saying, and like every now and then something will happen, but it's mainly just them like sort of sitting there, and like you know, as a kid, I'm just like, so is something gonna happen, or because he's like he's a fucking superhero. His name is goddamn Space Ghost, and he's <laughs> neither in space or a ghost. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> he was in space, wasn't a ghost though. <laughs> I, I think they got the right idea as far as appealing to kids with um. Well, maybe not even, because I don't think I ever even watched it, but a Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. No, I, I mean, I think if I watched it as an adult, it would probably be funnier, but, like, as a kid, it's just like, uh, I don't get it. What's the point? What's supposed to be happening? <laughs> they loved taking the Hanna-Barbera cartoons from the 60s and yes. putting them in weird situations. Basically. They, they kind of they got the jump on the whole nostalgia train thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you I got know. the rights to it, why not? Yeah. That and, uh, remember the Brady Bunch movies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- those were the first, like, nostalgia movies that came out. You remember that shit? Because it was yeah, like... Yeah, it was like a reference to something from decades ago. Yeah, here's something that you liked from, you know, decades ago that we're we're taking the piss out of, you know. And Because, yeah, they did it with that and they also did it with the uh, Coneheads. Yeah, yeah. But the funny thing about that was that when they did... That movie, and I'm pretty sure that movie kickstarted the nostalgia train. L- let me know if I'm wrong, but as far as movies is concerned, that movie feels like that was the jumping off point for the nostalgia train. But it mm-hmm. felt like from then on, movies didn't want to like. What was genius about that movie was that it, it's a very, it's a very Mel Brooks sort of self-contained parody. Because like parody movies right. now, they want to parody every goddamn movie under the fucking universe. But, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that type of parody was very simple. It was just like, remember this concept. We're satirizing this concept all the way through. We're not referencing other shit. It's just about this. And that's what made it funny. And then, so that was good for parody and it was good for sort of like the nostalgia factor. But it felt like all nostalgia movies after that, they, where that one was saying like, oh, remember how much you love this? Ah, but we're ribbing it, you know. The nostalgia train sort of just became. Remember how much you loved that? We're just doing that again. Like, there's no underlying theme. There's no message. There's no like the reason why we're bringing trolls into the twentieth twenty first century is because we're trying to say something about you know, or we're trying to make fun of these original concepts that were in the show. Like, no, it's literally just. Oh, Smurfs did well. We're doing trolls now. 
You know what I mean? Ugh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, uh, By the way, I think someone that beat the Brady movies was the, uh, the Adams Family movies. Ah, uh, that's, that's a good point. Yep, yep, it was Adams Family movies. Back then, it was just, we're gonna take these characters that you remember from this thing, and we're gonna keep them basically the same character, but we're gonna put them in modern scenarios. Actually... Yeah, that's kind of funny how both movies did that. The Adams yeah. Family was about putting them in a modern scenario, and literally the Brady Bunch was the same thing, except from two different angles. And they and they and they tried both of those each ones twice. Yeah, but I don't think anyone remembers the very Brady sequel. I remember e it actually. Every everyone is. I think everyone references uh, Adams Family values. Mm -hmm. more than the original Adams Family movie, but I don't hear anyone ever talk shit about fucking a very Brady sequel. But it was actually legit. It was kind of hmm. funny. I'll have to go back. Uh, yeah, maybe I need to watch it again. Uh, we had both movies on VHS. Okay, mm. so I I'm watching... I I'm, I'm looking at the lyrics to Idiot Boyfriend by Jimmy Fallon. This was, Oh, this was, good. I was about to pull that up myself. This was my big introduction to him. And he's like, uh. I know what you want. And I know what you need, but I'm going to screw it up. Yeah, because I'm an idiot and I'm your boyfriend. And it's like, well, if you call yourself the idiot, like, that kind of ruins the joke, you know? Like, yeah, you're not supposed to know that you're an idiot. <laughs> you yeah, you're not I supposed mean? to be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. The idea, maybe you said, like, they call me an idiot, but, uh, you know, and then you could flip that around. It's like, oh, you call me an idiot boyfriend just because, uh... I did something and, like, had the joke go from there. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? But if you're just saying, I'm an idiot and I'm your boyfriend, like, that's that's not funny. Cause, like, you, if you know what the joke is, it's not... You know what I mean? The idea is that the dramatic irony is supposed to be what makes it funny. Yeah, you, you wouldn't be declaring that you're an idiot. Yeah. An idiot wouldn't know he's an idiot. <laughs> if, if he knew he was an idiot... He'd probably either not take pride in it and want to better himself. Yeah, why is he happy that he's an idiot? Because <laughs> he's an idiot. <laughs> and then, and I'm going to take you out and leave my wallet home. Ah. Then I'll use your cell phone, baby, long distance, and I'm your boyfriend. See, that's not being, it, being an idiot. That's being forgetful and being inconsiderate. Baby, I know I'm a man who's made mistakes. I still got some learning to do. I made out with your best friend the other day, and now we're best friends, too. This isn't an idiot. This is, like, a bad boyfriend. Like, he's not doing dumb shit. Yeah, he's, he's just a shitty boyfriend. Yeah, like, an idiot would be doing something, like, he doesn't know that this is the wrong thing to do. There's no way he doesn't fucking know that he'd made out with someone's best friend. You know what I mean? I, uh, I pulled up... Another one real quick, because I got lyrics to another Jimmy Fallon song. Uh, the song is called Road Rage. Mm. And tell me where tell me when you find the find the joke, okay? Yeah. Road rage. My knuckles are white and my face is bright red. Bro road rage. Doing 65 on a souped up moped. Road rage. Is that you that gave me the finger? Road rage. How come you won't turn off your blinker? That's the first verse. Uh, 
<laughs> Continue. <laughs> I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for the joke. Uh, you shouldn't drive like that. I got a baseball bat. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. I think that's the bridge. And then, hey, baby, you like fine cooking? Because you know what? I got a Swanson's dinner in the freezer with your name on it. Okay, that's a little funny. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, you like cooking? I know how to work that micro- microwave, baby. Dude, you, you know who did that better? Tenacious D. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. That That is what I need. Like, that is the humor that's funny it, with, mixing comedy with music. This is, what the fuck is this? Like, I got a permanent wave, baby. I got a Ogilvy home perm. Uh, honk the horn. Can you honk the horn? Let me hear you honk it. What? How is this still going on? Yeah, like, what is that? Like, this should have been over minutes ago. What are you referring to honking the horn? Like, <laughs> why is, is that, that the transition to road rage? <laughs> the, who watched the music video for Idiot Boyfriend on Jimmy Fallon's Vivo page and thought, let's give this guy a late night talk show? Because How I mean, is that the natural progression? Like, there are so many fucking hilarious comedians. Not even comedians, fuck it. People have just been on, like, SNL or Mad TV that are fucking great. Would have been great in a talk show. Uh, Deborah Wilson, uh, uh, Nicole Sullivan, um, uh, fucking... Will Sasso. Oh, my God, Will Sasso. Michael McDonald, for God's sakes. The list goes on. And that's just Mad TV. Yeah. Late night talk show is still a boys club, though. Yeah, man. Women hosting uh, shows is for the uh, daytime weekdays. Holy shit. For, for whatever reason. I, holy God, I never thought about that. <laughs> I just oh. now made that connection myself. <laughs> that oh my God. Like I'm sitting morning. here trying to think like, okay, have we ever had a late night female talk show host? And I'm like, who are all the big ones? Oprah, Ellen, if, if you want to throw daytime. Rosie O'Donnell in there. That's all, all morning. Daytime. Yeah. All daytime. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> no, Samantha B, right? That's like TBS. Right? Okay. Eh? Well, she, that, that, that isn't a late night talk show though. Like she's, she doesn't have guests <laughs> I on. I know. <laughs> you don't, you don't see Samantha B doing a monologue and then sitting down. With oh, a fucking shit. backup band. That is literally not a thing that I can imagine a woman doing. Like, like I can't think of... Because it's so always been a guy. Like, my brain cannot think of, like, you know, a woman just walking up and be like, Oh, yeah, you know you know, how, you know how the setup is. They just walk in front of the camera with everything in the background and they're just sort of talking like this. Uh, yeah. And that's why I can't imagine it because women, you know, can't do it or whatever. But it's just like... I, like, that isn't in my brain, like, as a thing that women do. You know what I mean? Yeah, th- there is no precedent for that. Holy fuck! At least shit. I don't think so. What the hell? Are we forgetting one? Are we forgetting one? But yeah, daytime talk Who show. Who could? And you want to know why? Who could they put in that spot? Tina Fey. Tina Come Fey, on. yeah, maybe. That, that, that's perfect. That's perfect. I don't know about now. Has, I think no, maybe uh, a few years ago. But I mean, she has all the fucking goodwill built up. From doing comedy over the years. No, no. Talk show hosts, it's usually at, like, the end of their fucking career when they decide to do a talk show or some shit. That is true, yeah. It's always the last thing before they before they retire. Well, if, if, that, if that's the truth, if that's the truth, then that is good news for Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers. <laughs> then there yeah. isn't much more we have to endure. This is them on their way out. 
Like, do they do that, do you think? When they do the the, the test uh, things for, like, whether or not a comedian will do good on a TV show, it was like, is he making people laugh? I don't care. Does he not offend them? <laughs> yeah. Dude, how about Amy Poehler? Oh, my God. Amy fucking Poehler. Yes. I think she would kill it. What the hell? And, and yeah, it's always daytime talk. You know what I think that is? Is because, uh, you know, women stay home. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's when they get their television entertainment, you know. And, of course, uh, uh, daytime uh, talk shows are the most fucking boring, unchallenging, dry shit ever as well. It's such so. a cancer, dude. All it is is what are the hot new trends? Uh, what's the dieting thing? Let's dude. bring in somebody who's going to tell us about how to lose weight. Like, because yeah, this, yeah. this is the only thing women are going to care about. Dude, I decided to... I, I was, like, at a doctor's office... And they had the TV on. I was like, well, let me see what's popping. You know, let me see what's up. <laughs> what's popping? Nothing is going to be popping. Dude, nothing was popping at all. That shit was uh, cold as fuck. There was no, there was not enough heat <laughs> to cause any popping. What did you get? So Wen- fucking... Wendy Williams? Uh, it was Wendy Wil- Williams preceded oh, by the... Um, mm, preceded the by view? The View? Yeah, yeah, The View. Oh, God. And, like... And the weird thing was, like, Method Man was on there, so that was kind of interesting. <laughs> what, was he, what was he promoting? Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? That <laughs> is weird. Kind of lucked out like that. It's always great to see Method Man, you know. If uh, that's going to be the only episode of The View or <laughs> Wendy Williams you're ever going to see, yeah, I guess you lucked out for having fucking Method Man on there. <laughs> so, uh, and he still looks like he's fucking 25 and shit. God. <laughs> like, this isn't fair. <laughs> the fucking like, killer bee serum keeping them all young dude this guy's first album was at least it's like 25 years ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> fucking Takao was 94 how the fuck does this guy still look like this this week on the going off podcast we are listening to the second arrested development album zingalaba dooney i guess i guess that's how you would pronounce it you know once you figure out how to say it it's actually kind of fun to say it's pretty fun to say i it's need to know like what the- that means it's like a freaking, uh, it's like a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I like how you say this guy. It's like a freaking, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, know Like, it's, it's cool to say. Zingalamadoonie, cool it is fun. I mean, when you first see it, though, it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it is very strange. But then, but then once you know, there's no forgetting it. Uh, I, I, I looked up what it means. Apparently it means beehive of culture. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, it's from a speech uh, interview that he gave. That is, uh, that's appropriate. It's fitting. You know, I, I just thought about it. It's like, we were talking earlier about, like, what makes him qualified to host a talk show? And I was just thought, like, what the fuck makes us qualified to host a podcast? <laughs> we didn't even research what the fucking name of the album is. Yeah. What the fuck are we doing here? But oh. then again, we don't have a vetting process, you know. There's no <laughs> money behind us. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we don't have sponsors besides the Patreon, uh, Patreon supporters, really. Yeah, that, that's just because they like us. That's how they got their jobs. Like, yeah, I don't know. We like you. And then, and then they're only sponsoring us because they want album reviews in return. Yeah. No, see, you know what the thing is? All these people who get talk shows, they just happen to go to the right cocktail dinners, you know? Mm-hmm. They're just like, you know, that guy's funny. I'm going to give him a show. So this is the second... Arrested Development album released in 1994, uh, two years uh, after their debut. 
Um, what what did you think of this one in, in comparison to the to, to the uh, to the first album? It's been a while since we listened to it, but um, I remember we 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 both enjoyed it. Uh, it was definitely something different than what we're used to hearing uh, on the radio these days. This is the album that that failed to to get the people's ears. You know, this is the the the, the supposed failed follow up. You can't really call them one hit wonders because they did have like they had three like three, hits. yeah, yeah. But nothing on a, a second album. Mm-mm. So going into it, I'm like, okay, so like, you know, your brain kind of makes you want to go like, all right, what went wrong? Like, you know, what, what what's the thing that made this not appeal to people? Mm. And, um, but, but of course I try to like, just go like, let me just try to enjoy it. Cause sometimes it'll be like, eh, some, it, sometimes you just, it's just too late. You know, like the, the pro African you know, thing by '94 that had been about on its way out. That—that's what know? I was thinking. Yeah, a, a lot of stuff changed. Hip hop moved really fast in those three years. People don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that first album came at a very lucky point in time. It was at the crest of the the black power thing, you know? Yeah, like, um, whatchamacallit, like, like, he got Public Enemy kind of, like, first kind of becoming a thing, like, like, little rumblings. Um, gangster rap was already kind of an established thing, but there was all, there was still room for, like, something different. But, but, but by 94, that fucking house rap, like, like, party rap, like, whoop, there it is, and all that shit, like, really kind of took over hardcore yeah and th- and then there was a and then even on the the uh the more underground front or or the more respectable hip-hop front it was tupac and biggie and cats uh, like yeah. that so it was like there was really no room like even will smith left like <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he even he needed to find something different the yeah, prince there was not, yeah there was not a lot of middle ground for like you know stuff that that didn't really hit the that, that either wasn't being, like, yeah, purely party or purely hardcore, you know? Because, like, the mainstream wanted the party shit, and the underground wanted the hardcore shit. You know, there wasn't really a lot of room for a lot of in-between, you know? Going into this album, I, 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 like, I, I was already on their side, because, like, I liked the first album. It was interesting, sort of unique in their own way. It was, a, it was a different sort of sound. It's not exactly, like, it's actually a lot more in your face than this album is. Yeah. Which kind of surprised me, like... This album was really chill. Like, remember the first album with it? They were like actually talking about like fucking people up and like, yeah, I, I, like I will, yeah, like the 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 music hit. You know, like that first song was like, this is about fucking revolution. We're gonna do this shit. And this one's like, mm, like eh, we're just you know we were gonna do the revolution thing, but now we kind of we kind of got a college radio show, so we're kind of like chilled out now. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a couple songs where they bring it up. You know, it's not like they completely give it up. Like, there's the, um, uh, Mr. Landlord, which is the closest thing I feel like this album comes to getting, like, a single that could have worked. Yeah. So, like I was saying earlier, you know, you kind of, that last album had Tennessee. It had... Mr. Wendell. Um, it had Mr. Wendell. People it Every had, Day. Yeah, those all sound like songs that can work. Uh, maybe not the original version of People Every Day, but definitely oh, yeah. the the remix, you know? Uh, so, like, this one 
doesn't really get that moment of something that feels like it could be like, yes, this could resonate with people. So I think it's like a combination of not really having that big hit single and the fact that this was kind of already on its way out by this point. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that the song about abortion couldn't have got radio play? Uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it would have been a little hard. Uh, <laughs> you think it would have been a little bit of a challenge? <laughs> it's, uh, it, you know, it's interesting. Like, as I was listening to that song, when he first brings up, because the song's called Warm Sentiments. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, Warm Sentiments, okay, so is this going to be another, like, really awkward, but, you know, adorkable sex song, you know? Oh, yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, and then he's like, uh, you know, I'm ashamed that you had an abortion. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. Hmm. I feel really awkward about a guy talking about a woman having an abortion, you know, and having like a sort of authoritative tone on that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I don't think you're the, I don't think you're the, the person, <laughs> you know? Um, but... But I felt like he did his best uh, in the situation. Like, he never got too angry. Although, I, I, I maybe it could have called for being more angry. But I just feel like... Because, you know, it's just like, man... Because the idea is that, like, I'm not just angry that you had this abortion. I'm angry that you didn't tell me about it. And, like, I get that in a way. Oh, you yeah. Know? And it's like this sort of like, well, this life is important to me. And he even says in there, he's just like, it, I know it's fine. At the end of the day, it's your choice. But, you know, it would have been nice if I had a voice too, because, you know, that's my seat as well. And, you know, and he's like, well, maybe next time we'll, you know, we'll be married and we'll do things the right way. But I, I don't know, just it teeters on that tone of being kind of mansplainy. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you know, I'm going to scorn you, but then I'll forgive you. It's just like, don't do that. It's like, that's not the right headspace you want to be in for someone who's been through something traumatic that you'll never have to go through. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was it's definitely like, on on the fence about this one, too, because there were definitely times where I was like, okay, I can see where this is going. But then there was other points where it was like, hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's like, if you're going to be angry about it, be full angry about it and throw caution to the wind of whether or not it's uh, respectful or whatever. But it's like, it doesn't go far enough. So it's at this point, it's like, okay, I'm supposed to treat this like he's talking to her for real. Okay. But then there's still that, like, weirdly... You know, because, like, I understand getting a, making a song that's in your feelings about, you know, uh, you know, your expansion of your life or whatever the fuck you want to refer to a baby as. Uh, and you know, having that taken away without, without you having a choice. Like, so if you want to be mad about that, be mad about that. But he doesn't, he's not really going for that. He's going for the conversational tone. Right. And so that's where you're addressing the person, but it still has this sort of feeling of like, Hmm, shame on you for doing that. And it's just like, it's just not, it wasn't executed as well as it could have done. And because of that, and because I'm a guy who doesn't really know how that should be held as well. You know what I mean? So I'm just like. When it comes to abortion stuff, I defer to women on that judgment. <laughs> so whenever a guy, another guy's talking like, ah, I should have had my choice, it's just like, I, I don't know how to feel that, about that, bro. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of goes on the same lines, too, because I know there's one line in the song that's basically like, we can't be getting abortions because we need to further, like, our race. Yeah. And <laughs> which... It's like, I could see that, but then at the same time, I've also heard that be the argument against same-sex couples. 
So I'm like, exactly, uh, hmm. exactly. There's a lot of very problematic elements in this song. But luckily, that's just one track. Yeah, out of yeah. Uh, out of fifteen, fourteen. It's not like it's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the first one. We, we, the first one was pretty cool. Uh, it's a little, uh, it's a little intro. If we're gonna count the intro, you got um, Baba OJ, who. If if you watch the um, Arrested Development MTV Unplugged special, he's just this older guy sitting in a chair, just kind of talking, doing like spoken word, playing the role of a DJ on this uh, fictional radio station that um, doesn't get mentioned again. Yeah. See, like, I really like in uh, the Janelle Monet albums they paint a picture of the of of this world of this like alternate kind of blade runnery type world where humans are having relationships with robots and like people are discriminating against robots and you don't know who's a robot and who isn't and there's this whole thing of like this DJ taking phone calls throughout the album kind of talking to you telling you the story and this one Dude opens it up saying uh, it's WMFW, We Must yeah. Fight and Win FM, which is awesome. And then he lists okay. like all these strong, powerful black artists, rappers, and singers from uh, from like modern day and the past. And then, as you'd expect, wraps it up by saying like, and now, like, and presenting new sounds from Arrested Development. And then for whatever reason, you don't hear from Bubba OJ again, which I think would be cool if you did. Like, every couple songs or so, he's like, that was Pride by Arrested Development. Oh, now here's yeah, a word from our cool. sponsors. Like, something like that, but you don't. Um, they had one part where they did that, but it wasn't him. It was, like, someone else. Oh, yeah. Th- yeah, I, th- I think that might have been Speech. No, no, it was the other guy, like... Headliner? No, there's, like, a completely different guy. Oh, I thought yeah, I named all of them. No, I, I know there's a bunch of folks in, in Arrested Development. Yeah. Shit, <laughs> Most of them, who. like, never say anything. <laughs> the first track, which I would say could be uh, the radio single, uh, United Minds, if it wasn't so long. Yeah. It's over five minutes, and, and, and it repeats a good bit. But the message is awesome. Like, a lot of people have, the, have issues with... Um, with like people being allies or trying to fight for a for a specific thing that doesn't like directly affect them or involve them it's like no discrimination isn't something that just uh black people are fighting this is something that we all need to fight against because it does affect everyone which is the overarching message of united minds which is great and a song like that really you know should get more radio play that and a united front they're great but yeah they don't really have the same the same feel of a single like you had said earlier and aching for aching for acres might have but it's too short and like it just never hits it right and uh, no the closest one i think gets to that is uh africa's inside me yeah yeah we're avoiding the elephant in the room is the beginning of aching for acres Aiken for acres. I wish we had listened to this album before we interviewed Speech, because I want to be like, okay, so you, you got this third track on the album. What is it with that spoken word at the beginning, where it's like, "Hey, you coffee drinkers, I don't drink oh, yeah. coffee, 
but coffee makes you go to the bathroom, and it's like, where is this going? <laughs> yeah. I'm so confused. I thought they were going to say something about, like, you know, coffee is a drug or something like that. And, nope. You know, like, that would have been kind of like, oh, wow, we don't really have people, like, you know, pointing that out and being like, well, it's a, caffeine is a drug just like this, so, you know, you need to get that out of your system. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, just fucking K- like, like KRS-One did with beef. Yeah. But he's more just like, I, I don't really like coffee. Uh, my friend owns a coffee shop, though. Like, okay, so what the fuck is your point? Yeah, it's like, does this have anything to do with the song? No? What the fuck was it here for? Yeah. It didn't or, even pad the song out long enough. It's still only two and a half minutes. Th- there's a lot of points where, like, things will just happen in the background. Like, at the end of the United Minds song, someone goes like, Hey, all the dreadlocks! And then it just cuts off. And it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, were you- were you gonna address somebody? Like what? <laughs> and instead, we get songs like "Shell," like I was talking about, where it's just like, you know, did you get the feeling that this was like indoctrination music? Like, what do you propaganda mean? Propaganda? After a while? How so? Uh, about what? Like it was just like, you know, you you you're a shell until you rebel. You're a shell until you rebel. Oh. Repeat for- Three fucking minutes. Yeah, that that was that. That's a main problem this album has is how redundant it is. Redundant and kind of preachy. Like even for this type of music, you know, like the first album had. Yeah, all right, you know, he has a message and, like, and I think the reason why it feels so preachy is because his rhyming has really broken down at this point. Like he barely rhymes half this shit. I started to question if he was just, like, freestyling this. Because it was just, like, a lot of the times it was just, like, all right, are you going to set up for a rhyme? Or are you just talking now? Or, oh, now you're just singing? And I actually, it's kind of interesting how he sort of, like, he, he was doing the sing rap thing. Uh, you know, and people probably looked at him and be like, what a pussy, sing rapping. Like, get this bullshit out of my face. That'll never be cool. Meanwhile, like, all the hardcore rappers now are like, uh, girl, I'm about to get this pussy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's literally that's what everyone shit. does now. Something I noticed was, um, I thought the production, uh, wasn't as good as it was on, um, three years. Yeah, no. In the sense all. that, like, you're listening to it and some of the samples or the beat work Sounds like, like it's just done on like a sample type thing or like a yeah, keyboard. Yeah, like how did you guys not get better funding? <laughs> you know. Yeah, like like you'd think with as big of a smash hit as their debut was, One that the label would be like, "Ooh, yeah, more, please." But it's it's not it's not as good, man. Like the, the like you said earlier, this album's chill. There's definitely some tracks to groove out to. It's got good beats. But the production's not that great. The writing's not that great. It's preachy. It's redundant. Not preachy in the sense that, like, um, every so often they'll throw out, uh, like, nods to, like, religion, like, hints about religion or whatever. It's not preachy in that way. No. But it, it's definitely, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would say it, it leads, uh, leans towards, uh, propaganda. What, what I yeah. loved about the first album, like that album, um, that song Fishing for Religion... Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, hey, I don't know if this religion's right for me because I go to church and like, like it doesn't speak to me and stuff like that. It's like that's great. It's got a really solid message and it's something that's like really relatable. A lot of this, a lot of this album, and I'm not saying this as as a white guy 
can't relate, but, like, I don't know if in 2016, per se, if this is really a relatable, if it holds up. Like, straight up, I would probably give this a three. Oh, I, I would probably give it a two. Wow. Yeah. Wow. If that, because it's just... is a lot of know. filler. You know what it is? It's not as clever. Uh, the first album yeah. had a lot of moments that even if they didn't rhyme, they were at least clever. So it's just like, well, I got to give him back the point because that was something interesting that I wouldn't have thought of, you know, to say. But I, I, I was thinking about like, where are the moments that genuinely made me go like, oh, that was cool. Like there was one moment at the beginning where he said, your fascination with the so-called B-boy fashion nation. And I was like, that was kind of a cool line. That I felt like that never really came back. The creative yeah. couplets. You have that line that was pretty cool. The, your fascination with the fascination. And then he immediately follows it up with, if you can, please recycle. Even the people in the hood, please recycle. This is like, uh, <laughs> like, do you get what I'm getting at with that lyric? Yeah, <laughs> just like, he, he just has a checklist of messages and things he wants to say. Have I addressed <laughs> recycling yet? No? Okay, here it is. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it, it wasn't a rhyme, it wasn't clever, it rhymed with itself. So it's just like, it's out there, it's just this naked line, and it's just like, you didn't even have anything clever to go with, it was just, recycle. No, really, you guys should recycle. Like, that's not, I don't want to hear that message, you know what I mean? Unless you have something to bring it with, because if you're just saying, yeah, if you're just doing fucking talking points, that's not interesting, you know? R-E-C-Y-E-L-E, recycle. Yeah, and it's so out of place with what's going on in the rest of the song. It just felt like, like you said, like it was just a checklist. I have to mention the good things that you want to do if you want to be a good person. The, the reason I would give this a three over a two, uh, because it starts out really strong, in my opinion, even though the lyrics might not be as good. Like, uh, United Minds, I think, is good. Uh, Aiken for Acres is fun. Uh, United Front, like, like, I think it starts off good. By the but time it gets to... me, it's a good joint. Yeah, Af- Africa Inside Me is, like, like the message of that one is really good. Like, And it has, that- the, uh, it has the Dear Mama sample before that became a sample. Oh, yeah. That? <laughs> the I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Africa Inside Me feels like the only song on this album that could have been on their first album. Yeah, yeah. Cause it and, has and, a, and it would have fit. It has a solid chorus. It has a solid, like, verse chorus sort of breakdown like i felt like there were a lot of points where stuff just bled into each other and it was just like that you know i'm all for breaking conventions but it has to work you know yeah because but by the time it hits shell it kind of started to lose me um yeah like i like i thought the drum was was a cool enough instrumental but like for two minutes like (laughs) i don't know man like i I definitely had higher hopes for it yeah and the mr landlord which is about having a racist landlord, I guess. Could have could have had a better message. Could have yeah. been more clever. Could have been put across better. Instead, it's a song about a racist landlord, and I think it says the word racist like twenty eight times. Yeah, it was like oh, or, or and he's like, you're, I didn't know that your neck was so red. Like that's not better. <laughs> that's, <laughs> you know, that's not a synonym. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, or you know, like if you're gonna be. Um, like I said, if you're going to be mad, be mad. But the the idea is that he's supposed to be, like, the co- the cooler head, you know? And so he's just like, but to still, like, insult someone to be like, I'll knock you the fuck out. Because that's what he basically says at the end. He's like, oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> I don't It just doesn't, 
it doesn't pull across in this way, especially since the music is so much more chill, you know? Um, and then, and then he has the song at the end where he's like, uh, the song is basically just a Christian, uh, Christian rock song, The Praising You. And it was like, well, you were questioning religion before. I kind of wanted to see, you know, where you went further with that. Or, or if you found your religion, like, really expand upon that. But I kind of feel like that didn't really happen, you know? Yeah, he wasn't, uh, quote-unquote, like, born again until, like, 96. Yeah, and, and then he says, uh, 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 remember the Fountain of Youth song? I don't know why that was called Fountain of Youth. I, I think they said Fountain of Youth in it a good bit. Yeah, like, but... Like, they repeat it. I don't know, I don't know why it was supposed to be the Fountain of Youth. Like, he was like... Um, Vera, it's a rare brother like me will agree with Tari, Kwesi, and go party with Baba. But yo, I gotta be hip and dip within the fountain of youth. It's like, what do you mean? Well, Baba's like, I, an old dude, so he needs to hang out with, with younger people. Yeah, no, but what I mean is, is like, the fountain of youth is supposed to be this thing where you feel young again. So yeah. I thought the song was going to be about, like, I want to feel young again, or... Or maybe it's like a concept song about like finding an actual fountain of youth where you get to be younger or something. It doesn't really go into that. You know what I mean? For for as good of a song as Tennessee was, like, I, I hate to make it sound like, you know, their biggest hit or whatever. But the lyrics to Tennessee are really fucking good. And it's a really yeah. good song. It's worth getting hit with a lawsuit over because it was it's probably it it could be their best song there were no songs on this album that even came close to tennessee yeah none of them hit with a a subject matter that was really strong and with lyrics that were really strong the closest they came to were mr landlord and like i said that wasn't really even that one was weak yeah and and then later there was a song about like i want to have my own life oh in the sunshine that was kind of nice but what was funny, when you hear the beginning of that song, doesn't that just sound like Mr. Wendell? Yeah, mm-hmm. The, the boo da boo da I literally was expecting him to go, ah, <laughs> 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 I remember when, when we asked him, it was just like, so what was that about? He was like, oh, I just wanted to get the listener's attention. He was like, well, okay, that works. <laughs> oh, it, no, didn't he say, he said, like, uh, it was because, like, well, we kind of knew this one was going to be the nice, clean, uh, you know, record, and we wanted it to, like, not sound clean. Oh, <laughs> so we yeah. Just, we just threw a shout on there. <laughs> it's like, that's great. You just... <laughs> like, there's no, like, deeper explanation. It's not like, this is the wailing of the people, you know, coming forth. Or, or, or maybe it's like, it's the homeless guy being carried away, you know, by the police. No, it's just, I don't know, we were like... <laughs> We didn't want it. We didn't want people to think we were, you know, no. We didn't want people to think we were no punks. Yeah. <laughs> now, see, the, the reason this album is so disappointing to me is not only did I, I list out the three years, five months when we reviewed it, but changing the narrative and this was never home, uh, which both came out this year, are really good. Like, it, it's it's a return back to that, but it's modern. But it's got a different feel. It, it's like a, it's, it's Arrested Development today. Like it's not the same, uh, you know, grassroots back to Africa movement feel. It's you know them dealing with the issues we're dealing with today. And I thought those two mm-hmm. albums were really good. So I so I I had this impression that you know maybe the whole discography is pretty strong. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, solid. it's not. 
which yeah, he's a he's a much better rapper now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll definitely say that. Um, because after this album, um, because I'm just gonna say three years, five months, and two days went uh, four times platinum in in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, their unplugged album went gold, and uh, Z- Ugh, I haven't said it in a minute. Zingalama Dunny went. <laughs> Went silver in the UK <laughs> and didn't get a certification in the US. And after that, they didn't put out as much of as much as an EP uh, for another six years. Which I guess you know in that time, I, I guess they've gotten better. I haven't listened to um, to uh, Among the Trees or since the last time or Strong, but um, the last two they had out this year, which I was impressed that they were able to knock out two good albums in a year's time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Especially after being apart for so long. Yeah, yeah, but uh, a, a, a group usually isn't able to just knock them out like that. No, no. You think a group like you think a group like this would be like they had the first album with four times platinum, and then they also had the unplugged album. So it's not like people forgot about them. It's just I really think it came down to they didn't have that hit single in them. You know? Yeah, because in 1993, there was one episode of MTV Unplugged that was like. A collaboration of like three or four hip hop groups in one episode. Like it was like a, this group does two songs, then this one does two songs. Arrested Development was the first rap group to have a full episode of Unplugged to themselves, and that was like between the first and second album. So that should have been enough to like you know get some hype. They went calmer as hip-hop went harder it's just like yeah <laughs> they thought like timing. shit m- maybe that first album was was too abrasive maybe we should calm it down a little and it's like oh wrong direction guys <laughs> uh you didn't know they just didn't know that about does it for this week's episode of the going off podcast Thank you so much for checking us out through the silly and stupid and the serious. We got Twitter, we got Facebook, we got Patreon, we got YouTube. You can follow us on all of those, see what we're up to, request stuff, talk to us, watch our stuff, keep up to date, know what we got coming out next, all that good shit. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for checking us out. As for this week, um, that about wraps it up. So until next week, I'm Muse. And I'm the Rap Critic. Of Zane. <laughs>